I would like to tell you a story. Knife Talk is sponsored by Evenheat, the manufacturers of the finest knife treat ovens available. Find your next heat treat oven at evenheat-kiln.com. Welcome to Knife Talk. This is the podcast for knife makers, knife enthusiasts, and anyone who wants to hear our voices talk about knives and other things. With us, as always, is our leader, Craig Lockwood of Chop Knives, followed by the Crown Prince, Mareko <laughs> Momasi of Momasi Fire Arts, and I'm Jeff Fader of Fader Knives. How's everybody, and what's going on? Yeah, what's going on, Craig? What have you been up to? I've, I've had a busy week. Um, so, yeah, back into the workshop. I've got a couple of chef knives out, um, a couple of bread knives I've been working on. Um, it's been nice to get some some work done that's sort of in stock so people can just go online and buy them, you know. Um, so it's been a busy week, yeah, and right. I'm back in the UK today. So we've, we've headed back with, with the babies um, for a second Christmas with our family. Um, so, yeah, it's all been going on. It's been a very busy week. Yeah, hopefully travels were smooth. Um, as smooth as it can be with newborn twins, sure. yeah. But um, but yeah, we can't <laughs> complain. They were they were good as gold, so all good. Absolutely, all good. What about yourself, Morocco? Ah, this last week I've been working on. Uh, I have this crazy order where the customer wants me to just basically go all out and make the craziest, coolest thing I've ever made. Uh, but what's hilarious about it is I keep thinking I. I have all these great ideas that are going to be really cool. And then he's like, uh, I don't feel good about that. <laughs> they keep shutting me down. So I'm just like, why don't you just tell me what you want and I'll just make that. But he doesn't. He wants me to just uh, do my thing and surprise him. But he doesn't want to be surprised. So it's been kind of challenging. I've been doing some hand carving, uh, some like uh, relief, relief carving um, on handle material. Just kind of playing around with that kind of concept. I think it's cool. But that is one of the things that he's not into. So, <laughs> so I'm, glad I, I'm glad I spent uh, a little bit more, or just basically all that time doing something that he's not going to want. So, uh, so, but I'm moving onward and upward with uh, with the progress of this build, as well as one other that's coming down the pipeline. So, yeah, things are going good, but. Jeff, Look, what about you, man? You, gotta, you have to manage the expectations of your customers, and sometimes that's, you know... They want the world, and you gotta, you know. Then they don't want the world. It's been crazy over here. Um, you know, we've been uh, working on some. I've finished off an old project um, that just went out the door. I can't really talk about it until the this party hat. There was for a party for these. You know, I can't even talk about that because some of them listen. And I got a thing for a. Th- All right, is what happened. I made a thing for some people, and the things went out. That's it. That's all I can talk about. And then I did a few other new projects, and um, <laughs> That's very and then and then within an, an hour and a half ago, some ah, huge news came. I can't talk about it. Can't talk about it. It's so cool. I, this yeah, is some bullshit. This is some, this right. is some. This is some bad. Well, I can't. I want to. I'm in an awesome mood now. I was a lousy mood before, but now I'm in an awesome mood, and I can't talk about it. So infuriating. It's good. You've got good stuff coming up, but unfortunately you can't talk about it. That's Miracle, have you you got something coming up that's, you know, for the year that you're really looking forward to? Oh, my God. Well, I mean, I'm not really looking forward to it, but I'm looking forward to the move. Uh, As I talked about a couple episodes back, 
I think it's just going to be really good for uh, more than anything for for my whole family, my wife and my son and I, just um, just being back around family and everything like that, and being in a place that we know better, where people aren't crazy drivers. Uh, you know, you don't feel like your life's being threatened every time you hit the road. Uh, but I mean, outside of that, I don't know. I just I have a bunch more uh, Damascus patterns that I, I have planned to play with and kind of show the process of as well as I'm going to actually be down in Arizona. Travis Wurtz, um, he's a knife maker. He's uh, one of the hosts of Knife or Death, uh, you know, the Forge and Fire series or right. or Knife or Die, yeah. <laughs> as Craig would say. Knife or Die. I like that. Uh, he does a hammer in every year and that's in the beginning of March. And uh, I'm really excited to go down to that hammer and hang out with some knife makers. I'm actually doing a demonstration talking about um, my approach to pattern welding and just kind of the theory, or I don't know what you want to call it, but the, just my approach to designing the patterns and the way I think about it, because um, it, it's a little different from how most people approach it, and um, as well as my coffee treatment and doing like an in-person kind of live demo of the coffee thing. So I'm probably going to start with the coffee, then do a knife demo. Uh, discussion and then finish with the coffee because the coffee takes time. Yeah, yeah. So, right. yeah. I do have I do have more news actually. Big news. Um, Let's I, hear oh, it. Yes. So we're, I'm opening a shop. So it's sort of retail space for for chop knives. Um, so awesome. basically, my my current studio, a workshop, as some of you might like to call it, is um, is is part of a <laughs> retail shop. Smithy. It's got a retail front to it, um, but it's always just been closed, and it's been closed for about about 30, 40 years, because part of a very old building. Um, so we finally had permission from, first of all, my boss, who's the wife, uh, but also from the local mayor, that I can open this as a sort of workshop come retail space. Um, so I'm really excited oh. for that. So that's going to be in the spring. So there's a bit of building work that needs to be done and sort of smartening <laughs> it up. Um, but I'm really excited for that. That's so, going to be great. Yeah, it's going to be good. So, I mean, it's a very quiet, sleepy village that we're in. Um, but in the summer, comes sort of sure. July and August, there's just lots of tourists. There's lots of stuff going on. We've got this really, I, I've talked about this in the past, we've got one of the oldest forges in, in the world, actually, um, just a few miles down the road. And that brings, you know, knife nerds to that as well. So it should be good. It should be good. I'm really excited about that. So you'll have a nice new smithy in this in this village. Well, yeah, a smithy. I could call it a smithy. I probably won't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ah, why not? Why? Because it's too lame. It's it's just a bit, <laughs> or, you know. I'm going to work in the smithy, and it, it's actually attached to my house yeah. as well. Awful. So you know, it's not as if I'm going to work in the smithy. I'm literally coming out of my kitchen into my into my studio come workshop. You know, it's quite easy for me. In your pajamas? In my pajamas, yeah, with open t- <laughs> open toed oh, Crocs on. That's the way to go. <laughs> oh, high level, Je- high level. Jeff, I think we got to take a field trip. Go to France. I'm not mad at that. I'm no. not mad at that at all. <laughs> I think that'd be rad. I'm not mad at that at all. <laughs> so before we get into things, let's talk about, um, well, our two sponsors. Everybody knows Even Heat sponsor the show. Very good supporters of the show and how much we love our Even Heats. Uh, but we've also got our new oh, yeah. sponsor, which is AM Concepts. And they make probably the best value for money grinder that's out there. Um, and we've also got a very special gift for our listeners of 10% off any of their grinders if you use the code AMK10 
and that's on their website. So they are, well, they're AM Concepts on Instagram, Concepts with a K, but they're amktactical.com if you go online. Um, perfect example is their, their, their full kit, which is the AMK 77, which comes with a, a straight platen as well as a 12-inch wheel, which is a serrated wheel, um, is just is just $1,399. You can also get 10% off with our special code. Go and give them a go and give them a try. AMKTactical.com. I know Morocco is he's actually have you got have you also arrived yet, Morocco? I know it's on its way, isn't it? It hasn't arrived yet. It's, it's showing up, I believe, this coming week. Nice. Uh, so just a couple days probably after the, the episode airs, it should be getting here. Nice. Um, but the other kicker about that grinder and at that price point is that it's a variable speed. Oh, yes, speed, exactly. Yes, very, yes. It has a VFD. Yeah. So you can crank it all the way down from zero all the way up to 100% and everything in between. And that makes a huge difference uh, you know, in the different grinding processes, especially as you get finer and finer and closer to your finished grinding geometry. Don't want the thing blasting away at full speed. You want to dial that back. I usually pull it back to about twenty or thirty percent, um, and having that variable speed makes that possible. Uh, can I yeah. can I also mention? I have a just a real quick story this week. Uh, my buddy Cliff Dufton, CJ Dufton, just contacted me because he wanted to get um, some different size contact wheels. He was looking for some three inch contact wheels, and he asked me if I knew. Who I should what who we should go to and I said well why don't you give uh, AM Concepts a try and see what you what they what they have and he said they have a, they it was actually a really really well priced contact wheels I think he wanted like a three inch contact wheel or two inch contact wheel for his hammers and he mm-hmm. he was super happy he sent it, he said that he let them know that he we were the ones who sent them there but they have more than just grinders so if you wanted attachments if you wanted I mean you know. Contact wheels are pretty standard, um, and you know they have great prices on other things other than grinders. So, give them a spot. And, and as as our sponsor, you know, do us a favor and just you know support these guys because they do a great job. And you know, there's a lot of good stuff happening. Yeah, and let us know. Let us know well, if, we, if you are using them because we've had a, a few messages this week of people who are buying even heats or stuff from AM, AM, AM Concepts rather. Let us know because it's always good for us to know. It's good for the sponsors to know. For sure. Well, and one of the other things that I've talked to Neil Kamamura about is that, um, you know, because they're kind of a newer company, uh, they're always looking to kind of innovate and add new things. And if you have something that you feel like you like some sort of jig or whatever, like they do all their in-house engineering, everything right there. And so if you need something designed, they could probably help you with that. And if you need it, I'm betting that other people would want it or need it as well. So I would also reach out to them uh, with those kind of ideas. Good stuff. Good stuff. So let's go on with the show. So last week we started something new called I'll Never Do That Again, I Hope, or as we like to call it, She. And we had lots and lots of responses. So we're going to continue with that with some of those responses we had from last week. So I'll kick off with the first one, which is from J.R. Palm. It's J.R. Palm on Instagram. And, and he's hoping he never does it again, is giving people discounts when he should have stayed his ground. Definitely. Definitely. I yeah, think That's a tough mm, one. Mm, I, I, I mean, I'm going to talk about something similar in my, in my beefs, but I, I think, you know, you, when you put so much work into something, obviously you want it sold and, you, you know, you want people to, to buy it and enjoy your work. Um, but, yeah, when it comes to valuing your work... Um, it can be difficult. So I'm going to talk about that a bit later. But what do you guys think in regards to discounts, that kind of thing? 
I struggle with it for sure because I, I, even as far as I've come in the last five and a half years or five years on my own, um, I, I struggle with feeling uh, or having value for my work. Even though I have a price tag on the stuff I do, it's been driven by external forces like my wife or retailers saying, oh, you should sell that for more. Uh, I really struggle. I, I struggle with pricing and because I come at this from like, I just love doing the work. Uh, I really love making knives. I love the challenge of it. I love continuously learning from it. And so for me, like if that's, if I could afford, afford to, uh, you know, didn't have to worry about paying bills and keeping everybody fed and keeping a roof over our heads, I would still, I would potentially do knife making just for shits and giggles and fun for free. And, you know, maybe, maybe auction, like donate them to be auctioned off or something to help nonprofit organizations or something like that. But I just, I, I always, I always struggle with that. And part of that also is me just not thinking much of myself in a way. And so I just, because there are hundreds, I, I'm not going to say thousands, I'm, but there are definitely hundreds of super incredibly talented makers out there and I look at their stuff and compared to me I'm just like I'm garbage like there's just so much to learn but that's also part of the benefit of this is that there's always somebody ahead of you and there's always something more to strive for for yourself personally as well as when it comes to skills uh in this craft but discounts aren't discounts aren't about you how you feel about yourself discounts aren't discounts aren't saying you know I suck so I should give you a better price discounts are like if a guy says hey i'm buying five knives can you give me 10 percent off you know i i think that it gets to the point where in certain circumstances discounts are good and it, the same reason why like uh, amk concepts does discounts is because you're encouraging sales so there is a there's a it's there's a difference in the way you think about discounts and i think that um i think the best thing to do is to have us have a system in place like we have like a friends and family discount or something like that. And, you know, or, or, you know, have something in place that's just, this is the, what we can do. And that's just the way it is. And I don't think it has anything to do with, you know, I, I've had to make, I've had made stuff for people and thinking, well, you know, you know, I got to do them with solid because they help me out. And it, you you right. get to the point where it's like, you're not trying to get nickel and dime, but at the same time, it's nice to be able to provide a discount when you can, but that's how that's, it sucks. It sucks having to make things negotiable. You don't go to the grocery store and negotiate with the cashier about your groceries. So <laughs> I understand, well, but you do get savings discounts. So I think the discounts aren't really – you have to think about more of a business and less of uh, how you feel about yourself. But that's – I guess that's what I'm trying to say is I suck at that business side of the stuff. Yeah. I fucking, I think, I fucking I blow the, at it. I think the – that's some language you got there. Yeah, Ooh. some hard Ooh, language. Sorry. That's a hard language, Mareko. That's a sorry. hard language. There's children listening to this podcast. Don't you oh, yeah. know? There's children listening to this podcast. <laughs> tender, but what tender I'm going to say is, getting back to Earmuff. it is, I think that you can. I think that you can set some limits, and as long as you're not making, you know, you're not making it. We're in this business where there these. There's not these hard and fast rules. Like when you go to like a, you know, you have a, a price that you can take and the price you can give. And the f funny thing is, and I got to stop saying that too, is when I used to make sculpture, old sculpture, I wanted to get it out of my life. So I didn't mind knocking mm. off 50 bucks here, 100 bucks here. It didn't bother me because I wanted to, I just was like, get it out of my life. But I think that the concept of, a, of for being, especially being a business, some people get off on getting a deal. 
And, and you just have, I think that it's very important to not feel, the most important thing is to not do something out of desperation. That's the worst part where you feel like I got to move this knife or I got to, I'm on a, you know, we, if I don't come in under, I got to take off a little bit to finding yourself in a position of control is more important than whether or not you made a decision, a bad decision on discounts or not. So I think that I think mm. figuring out a discount system is fine by you. You've, in my mind, when I used to make sculpture was what can I afford? What can I be not want to fuck pull my hair out of my head when I give it to him? What can I be satisfied with? And you know, if somebody buys from us, they buy 15 knives. We just sold 10, 12 knives. Uh, we gave them a discount. You know, it's just like one of those things. It was a professional cur- courtesy. I think that the best thing is, is try to make yourself not be in these positions of a wiggle room. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. But then you feel obligated, especially, you know, your family shows up and then you don't, you don't want to sound like you're, you know, you're not a, I'm going to not curse. I'm not going to curse. I'm going to say you don't want to be like a nice guy. You want to be a nice guy. But I think any creative <laughs> endeavor, and I think what we do is creative, um, it's always difficult to put this, you know, to, to marry that with the business side of things. And I think, Jeff, you're certainly better at it than, than myself. And, you know, we had Jarrod on a few weeks ago as well from uh, Boot Hill Knives. Very, very good at it. It's something that I'm terrible at. But yeah. I'm not good at it. I have someone, I have a business partner who says, hey, this is the way it is. I mean, I, it's not like he's telling me what to do, but it's like he makes it very easy for me to be able to say it's not up to me. Like sometimes I don't know the prices of some knives. And I'll be like, and I send him to send him to the website. You got to go to him, and and, and that sometimes it's better. And I I just think that you know this is the this is the oldest story in the book where I make jokes about you know you guys think you're artists. You're either in business or you're an artist, and 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 that's the problem with these this idea of being what's referred to as an artist is artists get ripped off <laughs> because they don't feel that they're they're worth um, the value of a regular business, and you get into these positions where you don't value your own self-worth, and then you think that you, you have to move something because of a bill is due, or you need some more money. You don't have that. So you get in these positions of desperation. That's when the problems start. I think it's the constant. The real thing is, is to feel more confident in what you're doing and to feel like, you know what? This is the way it is, you know? Yeah, yeah. Let's move on. We've got, we got Jeff into the whole artist debate again then. That's oh, a big God, rabbit hole we want. We need, we need to go I'm down not, there one day, not, but not quite yet. Oh, thank gosh. Thank gosh. All right, I'll, t- I'll take this next one. All right. This is from our, our buddy over, or our buddy, <laughs> Loot Knife Works. He says, <clears throat> here's my favorite blunder, although it happened uh, a couple years back. I was trying to remove a small bow in a finished Damascus slicer, and it snapped. This is when I learned to only use rounded bending dies uh, to straighten a blade. I was so pissed off that I couldn't even feel mad. Uh, I broke it into more pieces and framed it <laughs> Framed it in the shop. Jeff, you have a broken blade up on your wall, don't you? I certainly do. And you know what? Yeah. I love it. I love it more now <laughs> that it's on my wall. And it tells me that this stuff happens a lot. And, you know, yeah, that's exactly the same thing that happened to me. And it's like a talisman of, you know, when people come in, you say, oh, look, it ain't all, it ain't all lightning bolts and high fives. Things go <laughs> south. And, and you just have to, like... That's part of it, you know, and, and it, it hurts. I, look, I, I cracked two integral bolsters, and it's, it was mm. very hard, you know, and, and uh, look, it happens. Yeah, I've definitely done it myself. I was straightening uh, a large integral chef's knife, and uh, damn thing broke. 
and I thought I had overheated it or done something wrong in the heat treat. Looking at the grain structure, everything looked great. And so I think ultimately what happened is I just torqued it too far. Um, and it happens. But that's, I mean, it's hard to know those limits until you kind of push them to the point of something fucking breaking. And then you're like, it's okay, language, I got it. I guess I got to dial it back. Sorry, earmuffs. You got to dial it back a little bit um, because shit happens. Well, the the other thing is, is the, one of the first I forged a couple knives at Jesse Savage's a few years ago, and I snapped the slicer, and the where in the grain structure was good, and the reason why it snapped is it snapped on the line of my punch mark, where the uh, one of the the star in the middle, it yeah. snapped along that. That was like enough. It was like a. It was just enough to make that the weak point. So yeah. it's like you know these things. You know this isn't. We're this is. This is the life we lead. Things break. Yeah. It doesn't happen. And that's the that's right. the the highs the highs are highs and the lows are low. My my buddy Ian Rogers calls it knife maker tuition or bladesmith tuition. And some of those prices you gotta pay to learn some stuff about the craft and the limitations of your materials and your tools. So you gotta break some stuff sometimes. When I made the thirty six Cuban knives, six of them did not make it through heat treatment. And Ugh. And it was like it. I found cracks as I was grinding them down, and I found cracks immediately. And I just, in my guts, I was just like, "If there's a crack here, there's a crack down the line." And I just had to be. I had to. I had to like. It was like, "All right, well, this is gonna be. This is going to be a lesson dealing with stress." And yeah. I ha- I ended up going through six of them. I six of them I had to rebuild, and I just came to the conclusion: there's no, there's zero benefit. There's zero physical benefit to me being upset at myself. There's zero benefit of me throwing things around. It's it's not it's not um, an effective or efficient way to manage your time. It happens, and then you just keep going. So I, I, it was hard, you know. After the fifth one, I was like calling my partner, Tony. I broke another one, and it was like it, it was. But at the mm. same time, it was like the more I was breaking, I was like, all right, well, now I, now you know I'm making five. All right, now I'm making six, and it was like. It was one of those things. It sucked, but it was like you know. Now you know I'm better for it. How do you stay positive when that shit happens? You can't. Uh, you have to. You have to <laughs> say to yourself. You have to say to yourself. These things happen, and and you have to say. You have to say. What's the use of crying? What's the use of being upset? What's the use of throwing things around? Nothing. There's no. There's no. There's no. It's not being. Po- it's not like I'm cracking them and then doing a tap dance. It's it's it's. I'm cracking them and I'm not and I'm not getting upset about it. You know, it's it's Just figuring out in the rain. Yeah, it's oh figuring out how to deal with it in the most efficient. You know, when you think about efficiency, is it efficient to be upset? No, but is it the end of the world? No. I mean, were they were they all forged Damascus integrals? No, they were stock removal knives that I had to. You know, how much time did it cost me? A couple of hours. Not not. It wasn't crazy. Mm. Um, I budgeted enough time for there to be problems, and I in my mind sure. when I was doing it, I was just like, look, there might be some of them might not happen. Um, but you, it's not about be, it's not about being happy about it. It's just saying, all right, what am I going to do? Am I going to be upset or am I going to keep going? Yeah, and, and you then, just you just mentioned you time. Kind of, if you're up against the ropes with you know with regards to time, then it's a big big old stress. Whereas you know if you're managing your time and you you, know, you haven't got that time pressure, it's yeah it's I'm it's a bummer. Time. But you just move on. And you just, you know you've learned and you hopefully do it better next time. I'm going to do a big brag right now. This is something I don't normally do because I really dislike myself in general. I recently sent out, I said I, said I sent out some <laughs> knives uh, this week. I can't talk about it. But it turns out, it turns out. You talk a lot about something you can't talk about. 
it was it was I'm talking this is something different that I can't talk about, but I, I'll tell <laughs> Stop you this. Bringing it up. I was twelve days ahead of schedule. I had no idea. I thought I was I, when I look at my deadlines, I look at I try to go everything backwards. Everything backwards. So I know that if it's due on this date, then I need seven days to ship. So just it's gotta be done seven days before. And if I have it seven days, it's gotta be you know, so I work everything backwards. And it got to the mm-hmm. point where I got everything. I had, I was ready for seven days, and the customer said, Oh, I made a I, I told you I only need it on the this date. So I ended up having t- I had the knives done 12 days before they were due, and I was like, this is is such a good feeling. It's the yeah. worst. It's the worst to be behind the eight ball on a project. The yeah. worst. Because that's when problems happen. That's when the real problems happen. If you don't yeah. have that time to kind of fix those issues, it's a real problem. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Let's move on. Let's move on. So we, we've got another one from right. Where's Where on Instagram. Um, and it's a, a kind of dumb thing that he did, which he says. A few weeks ago, he was in the kitchen, and his wife asked him to start putting dinner together. For some boneheaded reason, he was standing there subconsciously looking for his safety glasses before he started. Genius. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> I actually, when I worked with a friend of mine, a good friend of mine, one of the best blacksmiths I ever met, his name is John Ledford. He was one of the best blacksmiths I ever met. He got me into wearing those uh, ear earplugs that you squish them up and stick them in your ears. So we would always use those. We'd have a, a you know just a giant case of them, and we're always you know we're going through them like crazy. He would put them on if we were going to a restaurant. He put them on. He would just in, instinctively put them in to the point where if he's mowing the lawn or he's doing, he's got like pockets full of them, and he's instinctively it was it was as if he was like that was the beginning of the project. Once you put the earplugs in, then you're doing something. But it was really funny because he'd put them <laughs> in for the when you didn't even need them. So I, I totally get that. I love that. It's it means you're ready for action. All right, how about this? This is from EC Knifery. Knifery, kicking over an entire tub of fresh acid all over the floor is pretty Ooh. rough. But I'm not speaking from experience or anything. <laughs> I actually tried to pour that coffee etch. Uh, actually, a couple days ago, I tried to pour it into some jars. It went everywhere, everywhere. That coffee etch went everywhere. How do you not know how to pour things? You worked in restaurants, didn't you? I didn't have to pour tubs in other tubs. I mean, you're not pour- I mean, it's not like I was pouring a water dish. It's not like I have them in a water dish and I got a towel over my hand. I'm filling someone's water glass up. I'm pouring some Glock up from one tub to another tub. You know, I tidied up my studio this week, and I've got to say, the feeling of working somewhere that's tidy and when you know where everything is, it was just a pleasure to be in there. You know, to, I cranked up more knives this week than I have done in a long, long time. And I think that was down to everything just mm. being tidy, just a really nice way to work, because I'm the messiest. I'm norm- I've normally got shit everywhere, but um, it was lovely. It was lovely. Right there. Some watch, watch, watch the language, language there, Craig. Come on. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we have a, we have children listening to this podcast. Let's move on. Let's move on. Let's move on. What are you doing? <laughs> All right. This next one's from Bond Creek Knives. He says, I've repeatedly swapped out sanding belts for Scotch Bright belts without cranking and uh, the tracking back to center. My grinder is three horsepower. It effectively bitch slaps me like I owe it money every time I forget. Yeah, that's that's something that definitely happens if you're going between belts like a, a super heavyweight. Like a J weight, or sorry, not J weight, an X weight belt, like a thirty six grit to something like a J weight. <clears throat> they require different amounts of tension because uh, that essentially that denim backed yeah. fine abrasive is a lot more stretchy and flexible than the the X weight. And I've 
had that happen to me as well. But the Scotch Bright belts stretch a lot. And actually, when I used to change the Scotch Bright belts, I would turn the grinder off, then I would grab the arm and then release it and let the 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 Scotch Bright fly into my into my right hand. That's a slick move. Super dangerous. <laughs> But it's cool because it like you lower the arm and then it just flings over towards you and you grab it. That sounds like go. a uh, a viral video waiting to happen. It's definitely not. Definitely not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh we've happen. got a phone call. We got a phone call. Hello, hello. Yes, um, I'd like to make a complaint, please. Ah, oh, yes. Ah, oh, yes. We've we've had a, a note come through to Knife Talk Towers, and we need to take this quite seriously. So I'll just read out bits of this note. Since the addition of Jeff, goes by many other names, we call him Jeff in this circumstance, <laughs> I can no longer let my... you spell my, my name right? Did you spell my name it's right? Spe- it's spelled perfectly correctly, yeah. Yeah, of course. When there's a problem, my name is spelled perfectly. perfectly <laughs> I can no longer yeah. let my kids, not George. aged four and eight, aged four and eight, who are both really into the podcast, you can no longer let them listen. The constant cussing, the interruptions... And the immature rhetoric does nothing but limit the audience and the sponsorship opportunities. So this is a note that we Mm. received this week, which, as the the founder of Knife Talk, as somebody who set this up to, you know, to help and to inspire others, I'm taking this very, very seriously. So, Jeff, what have you got to say about that? What have you got to say (laughs) for yourself? Well, I mean, listen, here's what I have to say. I'm not mad at what he said at all. Actually, it was a slight badge badge of honor. Um, I think that, um, you know, I, I, some of the things he said was right. Uh, one thing that I do, I do believe I, I do is, and, and, and the, the, the longer we've been doing this, the better I've become is I, I'm trying not to interrupt as much. And I'm very conscious of the interrupting and I'm very conscious of making sure that I'm not trying to be like a spotlight hog and all that. The other thing is, is I do think when I listen back, sometimes I go a little bit off the rails with this, with the language a little bit. You know, sometimes you got to, you know, you got to, what we're trying to do is, is we're trying to be um, organic and interesting and having conversations. And I do, if I can make these guys laugh, Craig and Mareko, I'm making other people laugh too. So I, I got it. I got it. Now, in my mind, when I was, when Craig asked me and Mareko to do this, in my mind, I never in my life thought that there were going to be children listening to this. <laughs> nor, nor would I of a mat, would I suggest it. And with that said, um, I really I want to thank all the listeners and uh, our sponsors for giving me this opportunity, especially Craig. Um, I, I I've thought about it for a long time, and I, I feel like I am personally uh, at odds with you know, the, the kindness and the, and the sincerity of this podcast. And I feel like I'm a distraction. So this will be my last episode of knife talk. And I appreciate all your kind words. I feel like, I feel like I'm not the right, I feel like I'm, I'm, you're losing out on all the tips that you want to do. And I feel like it's, I'm a little bit too bombastic and I appreciate it. And I just, all I want you to know is thank you for this opportunity. Hey, no, Hey, guess what? Fuck you. I'm back, baby. I'm not going anywhere. And you know what you can do? You can kiss my ass. I, I, I don't know what to tell you, man. I, I, I just, I, my honest opinion is, is you want to listen to it, but when your kids are in, you, you got to turn it off. And I think that's fair. And, I, and I'm going to, 
I mean, what do you guys think? You guys say something. I'm not going to go on and on. Well, I mean, we've talked about this in the past where, you know, before you guys joined the podcast, it was just myself. It was a very sort of dry interview style podcast. Um, and personally, I prefer this new style. I think it's more fun. We don't necessarily always talk about knife making. We talk about other stuff. And I think it it brings us maybe a bigger audience that way. Um, but with regards to sort of language, that kind of thing, I mean, it's just three guys chatting. But I do think maybe we we can flag the podcast as may contain almost that you know explicit lyric stickers that you used to get on a cd we we can mm. flag them with that so when people are searching in itunes um it wouldn't show up to children and i think there's no harm in doing that um that's fine with regards to sort of dialing down i just think we're we're not insulting anybody we're just having a bit of fun um so you know i wouldn't say we are the podcast for four and eight year olds to listen to um, no, it's, I, I find that <laughs> are you crazy? Are you totally out of your mind? That is like bananas. That is bananas. And I'm saying this with respect. I'm saying this with peace and love and respect. I'm not going after this guy. I'm not going after anybody. I, I, I you know, it's very important to, you know, we accept our, we accept our nice things that people say, and we should, you know, listen and, and hear what other people are saying. But at the same time, it's like. Man, I, you know, I'm a man of liberty. I believe in other people's liberty. And I believe in the liberty of people to make their own decisions and the, raise, the way they raise their children and the way they conduct their lives. And I would think that most people in the knife-making business are in the, I, in the business of, of personal liberty. And I would just think that it's weird. And it's <laughs> very – now I'm going to get a little bit, a little bit hard on this guy. It's a little bit, hey, can I speak to your manager kind of talk. <laughs> saying, you know, it's like, who has the time? You know, if I don't have, if there's a TV show on that I don't like, I turn the channel. I don't write a letter to the network saying I don't like what your your programming is. In When I was a kid, when I was younger, when I was a little bit younger, my daughter was very young. I would, in the mornings, I would make my wife breakfast because she had a long drive in the morning and it was nice to make her breakfast for her ride. And I would make breakfast for my daughter. And I'd listen to Howard Stern. I'd listen to Opie and Anthony. And I loved it. And I loved it. But when I heard the stairs, come, when there was someone coming down the stairs, I, I would turn it off because I thought it was inappropriate for them. And I wouldn't write a letter saying, stop talking like that while I'm making breakfast. I mean, it's just like... Please, I mean, have a little bit of, I mean, come on, a little inner, inner, inner fortitude is what I would suggest. But sure. we are listening to what you said. We listen to what you said. I appreciate some of the things you said. Some of it else, fine. And, uh... oh, yeah, a little Josh oh, got, well, you know, that's the other thing. Oh, by the way, by the way, I will say this, by the way, I feel, and this is my opinion, that this guy is a little bit not being totally honest because he just went after me. And if he just didn't like me, that's one thing. <laughs> but Mareko has got a way worse vo- way worse language than I do or equally as bad. So he well, didn't go after yeah. the crown prince. He didn't go after the crown prince. He went after <laughs> he went after me. And that was a little bit like, all right, buddy, you, I know you're, you know, you don't want to go after Mareko and I understand, but have a little bit of, you know, have a little bit of heart, you know, come on. Well, and you've talked to me in real life, and I actually have a tendency of being worse <laughs> than I am on the show. Uh, well, I, look, you I, know, I have I have a problem. I have a very limited vocabulary, so that's not true. Ex- that's not true. It expletives. doesn't. 
It doesn't matter. And you know what? I, I did post that. I, I, I did I did get another message from somebody else saying, well, you know, I've been listening to your podcast and the language gets a little bit rough. It kind of, and I, I said, all right, I hear you. I'm not going to stop doing what we're doing. I mean, I, I will tell a little story is when we had Alex Steele on and, and Craig worked out a, a getting Alex Steele on, right but when we got it all squared away, the first message I wrote to Craig was, I'll tone it down. And what did you say? He said, don't change. He said, he said, don't change. Yeah, yeah. Craig's Community Showcase. Well, after last week's show, hearing that you two haven't listened to the archives of past shows, I thought it may be, may be nice to to highlight a maker that I've interviewed in the past in the, the sort of the, the old style podcast. And it's Sandy from Young Knives. Um, Love Sandy, Sandy. Great guy. He makes beautiful knives. He makes culinary knives. He also does a few sort of hunting knives. Um it's great. His work is really great. And he does this sort of on the side. He has a full-time job. So he comes home from work and he'll work late into the night in his in his little workshop. And he's producing some really, really good quality knives. So go follow Sandy. It's youngknives underscore on Instagram. Um, go follow him. Comment on his stuff. Um, it's just really, really nice. So go follow Sandy. And And one thing that he really likes is now now children close your ears for a second he's a big fan of nips and titties so if you write nips and titties on his on his posts he will be very happy hey sandy <laughs> nips and titties to you my brother nips and titties <laughs> oh, loves nips and titties all right well you know look i i held off as long as i could i think those are two <laughs> are kosher though i think nips and titties are kosher 42 are. seconds all, All right, right, Jeff, who do you got? Who do you got? Well, I, I tell you what, this is a guy who he redid his Instagram page and he's just a, I just he's a I'm a huge fan. His name is is it's Lynn Ray. And Lynn Ray's Instagram handle now is Ray R H E A underscore knives. Lynn Ray is a master bladesmith. He is he does without question the best design for a blacksmith, forging blacksmith knife. A forged blacksmith knife, and it's very, very blacksmith heavy. Um, and it's one of the great, he's one of the best that does it. He's created his own style called the X ray style, and it's very, mm-hmm. there's a lot of, there's more, there's a tenons, and you're riveting your tenons to itself. And there's a very, very, it's very, he's super, super important to the community, but he's also, he's, he's starting to like, uh, explain how to do it. Cause I think he sees a lot of guys making these blacksmith knives and they're, you know, basically the, the idea of a blacksmith knife is you're not forging the tang out in the middle. You're forging it a long rein on the top of the spine and then you're yeah. looping it back over. And then that spine, that long rein becomes the handle and there's a hole in the sides. But he, what, the way he does is the best. I actually offered to do, um, a watercolor drawing of the, his progression. He he sent me such a pile of information, and I made a watercolor drawing for him. Um, and he actually just put it up, which is really nice. And he's just a super super important wealth of information in regards to bridging that gap between blacksmiths and bladesmiths and knife makers. And he's an extraordinary knife maker. I'm a huge fan. So uh, Ray R H E A underscore knives. Go give him a follow. He's he's the best. He's a good. Dude. I second it. He's so good. He's, He's super talented. The first year, uh, my first year at Blade Show, I met him on the very last day. Uh, and it was partly because he was actually visiting my table neighbor. And um, 
and uh, he's just such a great guy, super kind. I ha- I asked him to take a look at one of my knives, and he picked. You know, I handed him a chef's knife, and he's like, "Oh, I don't really know anything about chef's knives." I was like, "Well, it's I- I'm curious what your thoughts are about the you know everything else because I-, I knew it the chef's as a chef's knife it worked great, um, but I wanted him to look at the actual craftsmanship because the level of his skill is super high. Uh, super. One high. of the things I I love that he does. For his spacers, instead of, um, I guess, kind of carving in hollows to make these spacers, he he does like a relief on on precious metal or on metal, and he and it looks like a uh, like a rope cord. Uh, so it's hard to explain, but if you go check out his Instagram, he he's just full of awesome stuff, and he's a super nice guy, and he's a big guy too. He's like what is he like six three six four. <laughs> I don't Surprised know. Surprised me the first time I stood next to him. He's a, he's a, he's a, he makes uh, he just was on his uh, he just did a, a forged uh, punch dagger that was on the cover of Blade magazine. He's just an, mm-hmm. he's one of these guys who's been around for a long time. He does he's but in regards to you know making a knife look for, you know that idea of forged and stock removal, yeah. it's very very forge forward and it's very yes. like it's simple. It's a lot of people. He's taken something that's very rustic and is he's elevated to, to such a high level that if you're interested in knife making, if you're interested in blacksmithing and forging, he is the top of the food chain in regards to that forged look. Absolutely. Boom. Well, I myself would like to talk about actually my fellow shopmates uh, slash business partners here at Dragon's Breath Forge. Um, yeah, I've been. I kind of tried to be careful not to just be putting him on blast all the time, because so, I didn't want people to think like, "Oh, he's just giving him props because he's their business partner, and you know he's you know playing favorites." But that's kind of what we're doing anyways, a little bit when we do this community showcase. It's fine. They deserve it. it. I mean, they're you, you're you're showcasing this incredibleness. Right. Well, and that's the thing that I really I it, it actually surprises me uh, how little known they are and i think they're they're getting there they're getting more recognition especially with uh you know their work getting published in blade magazine uh and elsewhere and and just like the level and quality of what they're doing um especially when it comes to uh historical reproductions uh of weapons especially around swords and viking and middle age and uh persian or uh kind of like indian middle eastern style swords uh, these guys they're basically sword nerds, uh, and they know so much. The depth of their knowledge is intense uh, when it comes to all of those things. Uh, and, and then also when it comes to the actual manufacturer and, and or I guess manufacturer, but the, the craft and the skill, the skills that go into actually making these swords, how they're supposed to feel, how they're supposed to be balanced. Anyways, I'm just, I could go on and on. But what I really want to promote for these guys and give a shout out to them for is that they started a, a, a Patreon page where they're creating, con- like, th- it's not just, like, one-minute videos for Instagram or little snippets on for YouTube. They're creating in-depth uh, content around the knowledge that they have uh, in these weapons and forging and how to make this stuff. Uh, so if you go uh, to Patreon and just search dragons, plural, uh, dragons, bl- bl- oh, Jesus, dragons breath forge. Yeah, you can find them. It's cheap. It's like five bucks, and the having the access uh, and to this depth of knowledge, uh, you know, it's like having it's it's kind of like being in the shop 
with them and being able to always reach back out and pull that stuff back up. Um, it, yeah, it's just, they're, they're doing really good work. They're doing, they've been putting out a ton of stuff and content wise, uh, instructional stuff, Matt, Jamie, Peter, they're all doing it. Um, anywhere from intro to bladesmithing, uh, to, you know, Matt does a lot of guard fit up and other kind of ABS style knife making, uh, skills as well. Peter's done a Woots mount and talks about his Woots process. Like this is stuff you don't really just readily find through the Googles. And so, yeah, I, I just want to give those guys a shout out and some love and, and they're also all on Instagram. Um, but if you go to dragonsbreathforge.com as well, you can see a lot of their past work uh, and links to all the other stuff. Cool. Cool. You just mentioned oh. his, his Woots work, and we made a bit of a quip last week saying, was Woots a guy and Jimmy Woots and so on? It turns out that Woots was a guy. <laughs> or According to one of our listeners, anyway, they sent a message through to say that, um, yeah, Mr. Woots is a real person who sort of come up with this technique. Hey, man, can I ask you a question? <laughs> All right, man. Hey, man, can I ask you a question? So this is the time where, where we ask our listeners, our loyal and pleasant listeners, if they have any questions they want to ask. And then what we'll do is we'll have them DM it to us, and then we'll read them off, and then we'll try to answer them. So the first one, the first, hey, man, can I ask you a question, comes from Shipard. Shipard, how do you etch slash finish San Mai? Ooh, that's one that I couldn't really answer because I've never made Sanmai, but I'm assuming it's exactly the same as any sort of Damascus. You're etching away that one material, leaving the, the lovely results. But I'm sure Moreco will have a better answer than that. Yeah, I mean, I actually haven't really done a ton of Sanmai by myself, especially when it comes to, uh, you know, so uh, San is, means three uh, in Japanese, so... Typically, it's three layers, and it's a solid core with some cladding on either on both sides. And you know, it can be mild steel, or it can be stainless steel, or it could be Damascus. It could be stainless Damascus. Um, I've only really done Damascus cladding on the outside, and for me, uh, doing that style, it's basically the same as etching regular Damascus. But I think when it comes to doing something with uh, either mild or stainless, I feel like it's I'm it's pretty much along the same lines. You don't necessarily have to etch to probably the similar depth to kind of get the contrast that you're you're looking for when it comes to revealing the sandmai. Um, but again, I you know I've only done a little bit, and it's all been basically straight up Damascus. Um, you know, I got I a know, piece. Jeff, of do, you, do you have any I got insight? A, I got a. I mean, insights. You know, is a very weird. You know, not much insight, but. Uh, uh, Isaiah Schroeder, Schroeder Knife, Knife Works out in uh, Wisconsin, sent me a piece of sand mine that he made uh, a couple of years ago, and I made a knife out of it, and then I just, I dumped it, and I dipped it in ferric chloride, and then I pulled it out, and it was etched. You know, it wasn't really like a big production, and I didn't know anything about coffee etching, um, but I would dip it in the ferric chloride, I'd neutralize it, I'd hit it with this, you know, uh, very, you know, 2000 grit or uh, scotch Bright or something, I'd pull it out a little bit more, and you didn't have to go very far. Because I mean, it sure. was stain. It was stainless stand my, sand my. It was sand my uh, stainless on the outside, so there wasn't a yeah. whole lot needing. To, you're just needing to kind of like make everything pop, and five minutes makes it pop. So um, in, in that case, it's. I don't think it's there's any different. I think all that etching. I think if you talk about any of that etching, everything's different based on what you, I would think that everything's different based on where you're going. You know, uh, right. and 
but it's all the same. It's all the same uh, procedure, really. I would yeah. imagine, unless in somebody's got something different to say. I... Hey, man, can I ask you a question? <laughs> okay, we've got another one from again Jr. Palm, um, which we mentioned earlier. Uh, do any of you own a surface grinder? If not, would you want one, and why? What do we think? Mm. I I used to. Or I mean, technically, I own a surface grinder, uh, but I don't. I don't really use it. And even when I work, so when I work for Bob Kramer, he also had a surface grinder. He used it for surfacing billets, uh, Damascus, especially the mosaic stuff. Um, but I I don't use it for pretty much anything. I don't even use it for my Damascus. I do everything on my my flat platen on my grinder uh, when it comes to cleaning up billets, and so. I, I I find uh, especially folder makers uh, really like to use surface grinders oh, yeah. because they're reliable flat parallel surfaces. That's really really important. Um, but outside of stuff like that, I I don't really know. Yeah, I think the three of us because we do mainly chef knives. We you know we're doing probably full flats most of the time. So that as you say, they're not parallel. So it's it's not really something that that I'd use. But what I have seen a lot of this week. Over the last few weeks, actually, are those attachments that you just put on a normal sort of bench grinder, um, and I think they're pretty inexpensive. So if mm. you're sort of wondering whether to get one, that may be the way to go. And it's just an attachment that you put on a normal bench grinder, and it gives you that sort of a surface grinder, but, but you know, without having to buy the, the you know a big old machine. Um, but yeah, it's nothing. I haven't seen something that. I wouldn't That's use. Interesting. Well, I've seen that uh, at the blade show. That it was like a it was like a attachment that makes you run the contact wheel you're moving the material up and down uh, very flat against the contact wheel. Mm-hmm. I, I know what you're talking about I, I think those big ones are expensive but i don't know I, I mean if i were doing i would imagine if i had the opportunity to use one and it worked out i'd use it if i i don't i don't really see the need and so i don't how you like that for an answer jr i'm with you hey man can i ask you a question <laughs> uh we got another one from M- empty knives net says uh he says hey man what was the spark that made you decide to start making knives mine was seeing my father sharpen a knife hair popping sharp as a boy thanks what what is it that you guys that got you guys wanting to make knives mine was i suppose a youtube rabbit hole so i'd always had this interest in knives anyway my grandfather had this beautiful sort of pen knife collection and to me it was almost like jewelry he kept it in this drawer and it was always you know i was just full of wonder i'd open it and i i just loved it um so I, i'd always had that growing up this sort of fascination with knives really um love cooking love spending time in the kitchen so culinary knives is you know is what i was probably my biggest interest in and I remember I I actually started carving spoons as sort of a hobby on the side because I, I was working on computers all day and I needed to do something with my hands. And it was it was spoons. So you go down this sort of YouTube rabbit hole and seeing people doing that. Then, you know, if, you know, recommendations and people making knives. And I think it was probably a Walter Sorrell's sure. video that I saw quite a few years ago. And that was like, oh, this looks as if it's something maybe I could try. Um, and it's that thing, you make one, you get that sickness, and that's it, that's sort of, that's what I do now. So, yeah, it wasn't a standard route into things. Um, I didn't really have any sort of engineering background or any sort of, you know, working with my hands background. I was basically working on computers all day. Um, but I just needed that that break from that. 
and then decided this is what I love doing more than anything else, and that's now what I do for a living. Sure. What about you, Jeff? Well, I'm a, you're about to hear something very not sentimental. I, 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 <laughs> I, I really, be honest with you, I, and I got to stop saying that too. I, I, um, I was making sculpture. And I was making all these other things. And I made a knife, and all of a sudden, people were like, I want that. They didn't want my sculpture. They want the knife. And I enjoyed making the knife. I liked learning the different steps that I could, uh, you know, how, <laughs> I liked the idea of, of, of learning all these different steps and then how do you, you execute and I enjoyed it as much as I was making sculpture. And then the fever was there. So for me, I, I mean, I, look, I, I like a knife. It's fine. I mean, I'm, I'm not one of these crazy people who carries knives around with me all the time. I, I, I don't have the need to open boxes in the middle of the street. I have knives in the house. I have knives in the house. I have knives in the shop. I don't feel the need to carry one with me all the time. But I'm not mad at you if you're going to. And the, the answer is... I enjoyed it. I saw it as a. I enjoyed making them. Yeah, it was the same. Um, some stuff as making a sculpture. Same, you know, the the craft. I enjoyed the technical aspect, and then I saw it as a business that was enjoyable and it could be great. And that's it. No, no sentimentality here. That's it. I, I enjoyed making them. It. I thought I saw a business. Yeah. No, that's it. I enjoyed very much. Very much. Mareka, what about Boom. yourself? What, what, what gave you that sickness? Well, I mean, I, I got my start working for Bob Kramer. Uh, but in my time working for Bob, I never really appreciated it um, the way I do now. Um, and after a couple of years, after parting ways with Bob, um, I, I, you know, it's kind of at a, hell, I was like late 20s kind of doing some invents like self-reflecting and inventory and, and just looking back at all the myriad of jobs like up to that point in my life I think I'd had probably 24 25 different jobs uh ranging from you know stock boy at a grocery store to uh, child care to construction to knife making at that uh, up to that point and, and working in restaurants and and I realized that that knife making really actually might be the only thing that I've ever been great at out of all the different things I've done in my life. And, um, and recognizing also, though Jeff might disagree that it was a, <laughs> it was a, it was a nice outlet for kind of my artistic bent that I have when it comes to designing and creating things. Um, and so, and, and the, you know, there's, it seems like there's, om- it's almost limitless when it comes to creating uh, patterns but as well as learning and creating different techniques and, and approaches to constructing and making knives, um, you know, I think there's there's just so much opportunity to learn. There's so much challenge, and and uh, and I loved it. And for I fortunately uh, am good enough at it to make a living from it. And so I've just kind of it parlayed into a business. Um, but when I first started, you know, I was working at a bakery, washing dishes and helping with prep work. Uh, the first probably six months before I finally went full time because at the time it didn't take much for me to go full time. And so, yeah, that's it. Here's the, this is called what's the beef or where's the beef or how's the beef. Here's a, it's all about beef. And when we talk about beef, we're not talking about red meat. We're talking about your complaining.
and our complaints, our personal complaints, <laughs> and our, our, our grievances, these very self-serving whinings. And I'll start by saying that a great quote, and then I'll let you guys start in because I still have to work on mine. The real quote <laughs> for about the beefs, the anti-beef quote is, do you know what complaining is? Complaining is bragging about how much suffering you can endure. So there you go. You get that? You like that one? That's a good one, right? I think it was from Gandhi. You get that one? That was high level. That was a high level. That's a high level. That's a high level. Complaining is is bragging about how much suffering you can endure. A, as a high level. Kids, kids listening, there you go. That's for you. That's for you, kids. Jeff, get over Complain- it. Get over it. <laughs> All right. let, let me start with, with my beef. And we, we briefly talked about this earlier. Um, which is sales and reduced prices. So I think, I mean, Jeff already hit the nail on the head with this one really is that if you're up against it, then maybe you've got bills due. The first thing you can think of doing is just let's get rid of any any knives that I've got, any stock that I've got by reducing its price. It's, yeah, I can understand why some people may have to do that, but it's just devaluing your work. And I think anybody who works in any sort of creative pr- profession, which I, I do think knife making is a very sort of creative profession, valuing your work is just very difficult. Because you, as we've already said, we want we want it to be in people's hands. We make these tools. We want people to use them. Um, but it's just yeah, keeping. Well, let, let's face it. I mean, our our daily hourly rate. Is probably less than most people's. This is certainly the lowest paid job that I've ever had, but it's certainly the most rewarding <laughs> job that I've ever had. So, sure. try not to reduce your prices. As you know, a lot of hours go into what we make. Um, there are ways to justify those costs by showing people how they're made, that kind of thing. And you know, things that we've just had mm-hmm. Christmas and seeing people having Black Friday sales, that kind of thing. I just, I don't know. I just. Just because it's Black Friday doesn't mean that you spent less hours making this knife and you put less effort into it. It doesn't. Right. The, the cost of the knife should be the same. <clears throat> and, I mean, for Black Friday, for, for myself, I mean, I copied straight out from another company where I actually took my website down on Black Friday and said, look, I'm not having any sort of sale. And I explained why. And I took that straight from another brand that I love, which is which is Hyatt Denim. And Hyatt is H-R-U-T denim and they make these handmade jeans but they're very good at explaining their their process they're 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 pretty expensive their jeans but i still see them as value for money and i think if we can do that as as knife makers show the value for money i don't think there's then any need to reduce prices and to have sales and just while i'm on the subject actually of higher denim go take a look at their at their site because they've just made this video um, they work with Shopify, so they they sell their jeans via the Shopify platform. Um, but Shopify came to them, and they they spent I think a month with them, and they recorded this film. So it's an it's a half hour long film. And if you're into making wow. stuff that you want to be turned into a business, a big business, go and have a look at this film because David Hyatt, who's the owner of Hyatt Denim, he's got this big thing about he wants to see his town making jeans again, which they did. 50 years ago everybody lost their jobs all the work went to went to china and wherever it may be but he's you know he started off there's just two people making these jeans i consider them to be the best in the world they're taking their time they're slow they won't have any sales 
They explain how they make things. And this film is just so inspiring. So go take a look at hyattdenham.co.uk. Look at their film. And I think that pretty much explains my thoughts on sales and reduced, reduced pricing. Are these guys our new sponsors? They're not. Am I going to get some jeans? They're not. <laughs> Do you 32, know? 38, 30, I'm 3832, baby. You know what a weird Send thing is? Send out some 3832s. They're, they're actually um, from Wales, which is, which is where I'm from. Um, and when my oh, when okay. my wife and I got married, we got them to make custom jeans for the sort of the wedding party. So you know the you know the little tag on the back of the jeans. So it had you know our names on, it, and we had this little symbol made for our wedding and so on. And that just goes to show that they, you know that they, they. This does sound like an ad, doesn't it? It's not an ad. I promise you, it's not well, an ad. I'm, <laughs> Let's I'm move just on. telling you, I'm thirty eight thirty twos. I'm thirty eight thirty twos. I like boot cut jeans. Thirty eight thirty two double front, preferably, but you know whatever they can do. Okay, it's not an ad. Let's move on. <laughs> that, that was a really weird beef. But the, it boils down to sales and reduced prices and how if, if you can value your own work and show people the work that goes into it, you shouldn't really have to reduce your prices. There we go. Can yeah. I, just, I just really want to quickly tell you my highest paying job was when I was in high school. I used to pick up, cover your ears, children, dog shit on the street on 62nd and 3rd. I would clean the, the tree pits once a week. I would come up 65 of them, and I'd be on my hands and knees with a bag. I would do it in 45 minutes. They paid me $75. And then on Park Avenue, I had a stick and a bag, and I would clean the islands on Park Avenue. I'd get 150 bucks for that Definition for a week. Stick. So I was getting like 200 So I was getting, I was getting like $225 a week for doing an hour and a half worth of work. Picking up shit, baby. Picking up shit. Let's go. Marekka, what's your beat, baby? Uh, so I've had a few incidences, and I know this is something that we talked about before, but I've had a few incidences this past week that really just brings it up again. But it's it's people, um, you know, thinking that you're kind of sitting around and kind of waiting for them to ask you a question. And it's, I'm not talking about what we do here on the show. I'm talking about people reaching out and saying, you know, and they started out real nice by buttering you up with some comments, which is great. And that feels nice. And then they ask you a question that would literally take the rest of the day to try to type up an answer or a couple days to forge something out or go through and create, develop like a grinding video. And, um, you know, some of this stuff is stuff I plan on doing in the future, but right now, like there's, there are a lot of resources out there. And if people would just use Google, please, if you've got a question, you know, I know that people have, especially with social media, you have access to a lot of people. But try to do everyone else a favor, because uh, I hopefully you would want them to do the same for you. Is spend even half an hour, or an hour doing some googleizing, and hopefully you would find some resources, or at least come to the person uh, with some with some sort of background, or or saying, you know, I've looked this up. This is what information I've been able to find. This is what uh, oh, I've tried is. in the past. This is where I've failed. Um, and, you know, I'm just at a, a complete wall. I have nowhere to go. At that point, I'm happy. I'm a, I feel a bit better about taking a little time to try to help somebody out. It, it happened today, or actually last night. Somebody was doing some uh, instant coffee stuff. And actually, it was before they, they didn't actually ask me a question. They tagged me in one of their posts. I saw that they were doing it different from how I... I've talked about it here on the show. And so I just reached out to them. I said, hey, you know, I appreciate you tagging me and I appreciate you trying this out. But I'll let you know that I've been doing things different. And I went into it 
And I spent half an hour uh, going back and forth with them, talking about the process. But I could see already they were trying to do this stuff. They've actually tried to use the process on different projects in the past. Um, and so, but I think putting that effort forth first, whether it's using Google or trying things out or doing a bunch of reading before you try to reach out to somebody and finally say, "Ugh, <laughs> I can't figure this shit You're out. You're getting so like, bad. <laughs> <laughs> well, like Lynn, Lynn Ree, exact for perfect example. Uh, I saw his x-ray uh, knife and I was like, that thing's fucking cool. Sorry, earmuffs. Uh, that thing's fucking cool. And <laughs> Sorry, I'll say it again. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm I wanna, interrupting. I want to make one God. of those. Sorry. I want to make one of those. And so I I slogged through, like, trying to hammer out a few of them. And I sent him pictures. And um, he very generously showed me. I think he had already been documenting his process. Um but he sent me pictures, he, he talked about his approach, and it completely blew me away because that wasn't even what I was expecting. I was just like, hey, you know, I was just completely inspired by the stuff you're doing right now, and I just want to show you this really shitty attempt at me trying to replicate it. Um, but I appreciate you doing that and keep it up and keep inspiring me. And, you know, he gave me some love and, and he told me all about it. And, you know, that kind of generosity is possible when you see somebody already putting out an effort. The effort in, yeah. yeah. So please, I think you use to, Google. I think, I think you need to like, uh, I think you need to monitor, I think you need to screen your DMs better. I think you need to like, some, you know, people, you need a little no, no, bit no. of a screening process. No, you I don't, I don't in let and you're being too nice. I don't let them through. But I go through and I do look when it, you know, because Instagram especially kind of segments them off to the side. And I go through and look through all these and, you know, 60 to 70% of them are people asking stupid questions that they very easily could find in about five or ten minutes. Yeah, they're, they're trying to find it from you. They're trying to get you to tell them. They're saying, well, oh, it's I know, you'll answer the question, and you're getting sick of well, it. And, well, and when they do that, they're saying, you are a trustworthy, reliable resource. Yeah. I want your answer, which is very flattering, but at the same time, leave me alone. It's a very simple. <laughs> I got no. It's just you got to say, I'm leave me alone. Work, I'm at home with my family. I don't have time for it, really, outside of that. And yeah, so yeah, stuff like that. I unfortunately, if you're sending me questions like that, they get deleted instantaneously. Leave him alone. Leave him alone. <laughs> He's trying to live his life. Leave him Death. Alone. What's your beef? I have a beef with hope. I have a real Jesus. beef with hope. Listen to me. Listen to me now. Listen to me. I'm telling you this with honesty and peace and love. Stop hoping good things are going to happen. Stop it. Hope is nothing. It's a negative. It's not negative, but it isn't positive. So when you're hoping something happens, you're not making it happen. You got to make something happen. You can't hope that things are going to go well. You have to make sure. I talked to a lot of friends of mine who were hoping that it was going to be a good Christmas, and some of them didn't have a good Christmas. You got to make sure that you're working hard and looking at everything that you're doing so you're taking hope out of it. Hope sucks. Don't worry about hope. You're the one who makes these decisions happen, whether it be by planning, by organizing, being relentless. You got to be relentless. You can't hope that something's going to happen because you end up with something that never happens. I had a friend of mine who was a, in high school who was an actor. He was an actor. He was an actor. He was an actor. He hoped, he hoped, he hoped that he'd get his big break. He didn't 
He didn't take. He didn't capitalize and take advantage of his time. He didn't work harder than other people. You've got to and it and it and he's. It's not happening for him. You got to take every opportunity you have. You have to work harder than everybody else. You have to not feel entitled to, to success. You have to not feel that. You don't have to look at other people and say, "Well, he deserve. I should be better. I'm a better knife maker than him. Why is he more famous than I am?" You have to work on yourself. You have to figure out what the fuck you're doing, and you have to take care of it, and then you have to keep working harder than everybody else, and you have to decide. You can take hope and stick it far up your ass, because hope isn't going to get you where you need to be. You're going to be the one that needs to be, so fuck hope. There you go. There's your bumper, too. There's your highlight, too. There's your highlight, too. There's your highlight, too. There's your highlight, too. Fuck hope. There you go. Lovely. Lo- like that's, a lo- that's a lovely end to the what? show, Jack. <laughs> Damn right. We're hey, doomed. you want to do a, hey, hey, this is what gets me in trouble too. You pick the highlights of me going out of my mind, and that's why we get these negative we get these messages, people are upset. Because <laughs> it sounds like I'm a crazy person when I'm really not. I oh, I do see your point. That yeah, leaving things to chance. I think is that what you're getting at? People who leave things to chance as opposed yeah, to Yeah, no, it's it's yeah. it's foolish. It's, it, these people like I hope something good happens. You, you have to make you have to make your own. You have to you have to will it. And I'm not just saying like have your you know get into the, the fetal position, getting into like uh, you know some sort of you know lotus position and willing it to happen. I'm saying you have to work harder than everybody else. Mareko works on Sundays. I work six days a week. I t- I put in the effort. I'm working at night. I'm working all the time because I know that the only person that's going to make this happen is me. And you have to take your opportunities. You have to stop limiting yourself by saying, oh, I don't do that. Or I don't like to do this. Oh, I don't do that. I don't do this. Here's the problem. You have to have a real, you got to wake up and grow up. You have to grow up and you have to, you have to stop hoping that things are going to happen. You have to make them happen. Well, what's interesting, uh, especially the way it sounds like you're using the word hope or view the word hope, is when you say that, you're almost simultaneously expressing doubt as well as some sort like a level of positivity at the same time. And it sounds like you're really trying to be like, namaste, bitches, and be more positive. And when you use the term hope, you're saying, well... This really could go well, but it also could get really fucked up. Well, (laughs) but it's also it's also taking responsibility for your actions and and not giving yourself a reason why things are working out. When people start saying, oh, I can't do this Mm. because of this or I can't do this because of that. You're 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 giving yourself an accept. You're accepting you're accepting that like you're you're letting yourself off the hook. I don't want to be a tip guy. I don't want to be a guru. I'm not your guru. I'm not the guy who's going to get you off a ledge. (laughs) Trust me, I'm going to send you over the ledge. I take it back. <laughs> hope it all away. Be a hope guy. I'm with you. I hope that this fucking ends soon because I'm, I'm tired cold. I'm cold. I'm cold in my shop. So remember, uh. we've got the forum at knifetalk.net. If you, there's a link there to the forum. Um, we've got our Instagram channel. We're Knife Talk Podcast on Instagram. Um, head on over to iTunes. Give us a review. We really need some reviews, um, yeah. good or bad. Hopefully good. Well, Hopefully good. good. We want good ones. Don't give us any bad ones. Well, the ratings also help help us connect with more listeners and uh, helps us grow and helps us keep this going. So exactly, uh, if you can give a rating streams. too. Well, we've had over two million streams. Let's get to three million. Um, so yes, reminder of the forum. Reminder of our fantastic sponsors, which are Even Heat and AM Concepts. Remember, there's those discounts. 
Um, and yeah, we shall speak to you next week. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.